For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Edith Deshoma. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover an investigation into hazing at Princeton, the stepping down of Dean of the College Jill Dolan, and a historic first in the Mexican presidential election. It's Friday, September 8th. In December of 2022, 27 students were convicted and eventually found responsible for hazing peers at Princeton. Rumors quickly spread through the student body about what happened to the students in question. Although this information was publicly available in state-mandated reports, few students knew of their official existence and little about the safeguards in place around hazing. Today, guest opinion contributor Anna Izumova joined us to discuss her findings about hazing enforcement and culture at Princeton. Hi, uh, my name is Anna Izumova. I am a member of the grade class of 2023. You have an investigation out now with the Prince um, about hazing on campus. So why did you start looking into hazing? The reason why I decided to investigate anything at all in the first place is because my last semester, which was my senior spring, I decided to take an investigative journalism class. The class started around February, and I remember coming to the very, very first class session. By that point, I remember the rumors about um, a threat incident that had happened, and I was hearing them for a few weeks by the time the first class arrived. It started with a very Princeton-specific investigation, but then I very quickly realized from just a little bit of Googling the fact that New Jersey has those anti-hazing laws and that there is this requirement to report. And I realized that there's actually a much bigger investigation topic in general about this New Jersey law. Throughout your piece, you use data in some interesting ways um, to look at um, to look at what Princeton students know about hazing and their opinions around it. Um, what did you find? Um, I think around like two or three months in the investigation, I realized that the issue is not only non-compliance. The issue is actually much broader. It is the fact that people are unaware and don't even care about the fact that you know there is some physically violent incidents that happen in the world during hazing. Um, And so I came up with this idea that I'm going to see whether or not Princeton students know about it. So I ended up settling on sending a short survey to all the listeners. And the findings were interesting. I think that there was a wide range of opinions. The main conclusion was that people are just very uninformed. Like, people don't know about the law, people don't know about the fact that Princeton publishes those reports, and people haven't even given much thought to what they think about hazing in the first place. Um, And Princeton does publish yearly hazing reports um, in semi-compliance with New Jersey anti-hazing laws, Um, but you detail that the state doesn't adequately enforce its own policies. So, How do peer institutions stack up, and what are some of the pitfalls of the current system? As you can see in the article, I haven't been able to find the reports for most universities. So I would say my intuition is that most universities in New Jersey do not comply with the law. And I found it very interesting. I am not a lawyer, but from my correspondence with the um, Secretary of Higher Education in New Jersey, it seems like their system is such that universities enforce law themselves. Universities are supposed to enforce just based on their pure goodwill. And if they violate it, from my understanding, there aren't really any punishments punishments that come to the universities, which I found very interesting 
Yes. Um, uh, in general, I definitely think that there is a room for improvement for the current system because, after all, I believe that the publishing requirement for universities is created for purely one purpose, which is to inform the public, to establish a debate about hazing as an issue, and to just bring the whole thing that happens to light. And the spirit of the law is definitely not fulfilled. Yesterday, the university announced the Dean of the College, Jill Dolan, will step down from her role at the end of the 2023-24 academic year. Dolan is the fifth university cabinet member to resign in the past year. She also serves as the Annan Professor in English and Professor of Theatre in the Lewis Center for the Arts. After her resignation, Dolan plans to take a two-year sabbatical and then retire from Princeton's faculty. University Provost Jennifer Rexford will lead a search committee for her replacement with goals to conclude the search by next summer. In international news, for the first time in history, Mexico will elect its first female president. Both Mexico's ruling and opposition parties nominated a female candidate to run in the 2024 Mexican presidential election. The government party named Morena chose former mayor of Mexico City, Claudia Sheinbaum. If she wins, she will also be the country's first Jewish president. Her opponent is Sotil Galvez, a tech entrepreneur from an indigenous background running with an alliance of opposing parties named Frente Amplio por México, or the Broad Front for Mexico. Despite running on opposing platforms, both candidates have several overlapping policy pursuits, including their support of decriminalizing abortion in the country. Abortion was successfully decriminalized by the Mexican Supreme Court on Wednesday. Make sure to pack an umbrella. Expect stormy weather this afternoon with a high of 90 and low of 70. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by me, sounded near by Vitus LaRue, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, Class of 22. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Edith Shoma. Have a wonderful day.